Hey, everybody. Welcome back to For All Hair Types podcast uh, with myself, Mahogany, and my girl, Marcy. Um, it's big fun to when we get together. So uh, we're just going to get right into it because this, this one might be a juicy one. This one is multi-layered on this one. Um, this week, we're going to talk about just um, like the, the, the industry, uh, the, the beauty industry in general, um, and how it relates to like politics. Oh, like, I don't know about you, Marcy, but like, I was told from a young age, like at home to like talk about politics all the time, because like, that's just like who I was. Like I was raised by a, a you know, a union you know, vice president, like picket lines. Like we talk about the people, we take care of the people, we make sure that that shit's up and like, we don't keep secrets. Um, but then when I went into the beauty business, like the first thing they tell you almost like the first day of school is like, well, you don't talk about sex. You don't talk about politics and you certainly don't talk about money and Mm -hmm. God, no, not race. Jesus. No, never about race. Like, even though you could have somebody sitting in your chair, who's not the same race as you. And you're just like (laughs) supposed to ignore it or something stupid like that. But yeah, what were your early? Same. I mean, my household definitely, you know, um, having a family of, you know, immigrants left a communist country, you know, with that, like, you know, Cuban experience and trauma that my family and grandparents experienced, politics was a very, you know, um, heavy and heated and passionate topic, right? And um, definitely a lot of at-home conversations around that, but I felt like it was definitely a code-switching situation where my parents included and probably myself, like, you know, you're just told, like, you similar to you, like, don't go there. Don't go there with, you know, through friendships or, you know, colleagues or at school and, you know, all those things. So I feel like it is something in the last probably few years, um, the dynamics have really shifted, right? I feel like there's yeah. been so many funny memes about, you know, talking to your, you know, your uncle at the you know Thanksgiving table about some of the, you know, like <laughs> not okay things that he might be saying and the same thing in like work environment. And even in, you know, I would say um, this big consumer world that we live in, right? Like the United States, we consume so many products as, you know, consumer industry and economy that it's so interesting to see how I, what I will call like a polarization of mm-hmm. whether your brand or your business or even you as a professional or even just, you know, those decisions as a person, as a friend, like, do you feel like those topics are things that should be in, you know, the arena of conversations or, or, or decision-making factor yeah. I to support or not support a business or a brand. I feel like it's been really interesting just to watch, especially on social media, how everyone really takes a different approach. And um, I'm curious, has there ever been a brand that you said absolutely not or boycotted? Like basically these brand boycotts. Have you ever decided to not support something that you may have supported before because of a stance that they took? Absolutely. Um, And to be honest, like what it is, is it's never really even the stance they take. It's the lack of stance. Like to me, silence is violence. Like, shut up. Like if you can't, if you can't speak your mind and speak your truth as like a company or as a business, like there to me, that is just like inauthentic. And like, you're more afraid of what might happen to your bottom line than you are to the people that you represent, to the people that you service, to the people who put their faith in you. Um, so for me, definitely I have, um, what it is truly isn't even necessarily like this one brand. It, it truly is like, I stopped checking for brands that weren't checking for me. You know what I mean? Like I looked at, 
I started like, so it was really interesting because like in my, my, one of my quarantine things that I started was really like looking at my skincare. And I mean, you know, I'm black. So there's, you're blessed. I'm blessed. <laughs> <laughs> like I get like a pimple a year and it's been that way my whole life. Like I do so... have very beautiful skin. You do. So thank you. Thank you. Um, but I've never ever worked on it. Like that's never, like I have been about my hair. I've been about my clothes, but like my skin has never been something that I really had to work on. Cause I just drank water, wash my face, put some moisturizer on, boop, boop, we good. Um, but over this last year, I was like, you know, finding ways to do me better. And so my mom and I went to, um, we went to like talk about skincare because my mom's great with skincare and she's always been great with skincare. She's like 69, but she looks like she's like 59. So like, yeah, yeah. like we're yeah. real happy. So we just started like looking at all the different things. And obviously like as a cosmetologist, you are given in, in your schooling, you're given like a glimpse of, and I promise you it's a glimpse. It's not a real training. Like go to SD school friends. If you really want to do that, like don't rely on a cosmetology license, like go to SD school. There is so much more given in there that you learn. Not that cosmetology school was wrong, but like an- another day we should talk about like how Cosmo, the cosmetology license housing nails and skin um, is ridiculous. And actually what we should do is we should keep the nail tech program on its own, the SD program on its own, and then take out those things from the cosmetology and just focus on, I don't know, natural hair. I mean, that might be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Could be relevant skill. And, you know, you know, just a little more time on that. So people can leave schools feeling more confident anyways, but I digress. So we're in and yeah, we're in Ulta. I'm just going to say we were in Ulta and we found this magnificent young lady who was so helpful. And we, we went in and we were just like, here's the deal. I know this much blah, but this is what I need. And so she started walking us over to some lines and I just paused her for a second. I was like, I'm looking for a POC brand. And she was like, Oh, and she pivoted and walked directly over to, um, Oh my gosh. It's like in my bathroom right now. I can't even believe Peach it. Peach and Lily. You Peach said and it. Lily. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Me this. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And it was exactly what I needed. It was exactly like, it's clean. It's, it's a great brand. And, but like, because I didn't know Peach and Lily, like she started talking to my mom about, about uh, some other brand. And my mom was for, for her uh, SPF or whatever. And, you know, my mom having a more, you know, mature skin, um, needed something a little different than what peach and Lily had to offer in that moment. So they were, they were looking at something, but here's me picking up my phone, scrolling through peach and Lily to see what their representation was. So cool. It's an Asian owned brand. Now I know this, this is awesome. Then, and female, like, hell yes, I'm for all of this. But what I loved was last summer when everybody put up that black square you could see the difference in their marketing afterwards. But when I went through and I passed the, their black square and I went to before the black square, <laughs> I saw the same ass representation, y'all. Yeah. And that to me was like, okay, yes, I will invest my money in this place. Like for real, I don't know what Rihanna knew about makeup or whatever but like as soon as Fenty came out and it had like legit every shade and every tone of every shade I was like I'm here for it 
because that inclusivity made me inspired. And then you add on top of it, like her Savage Fenty, like you see those fashion shows and they have, you know, the tiniest people to the largest people, to the lightest people, to the darkest people, to the every people. Right. And they're all doing this like beautiful work together. And it's just incredible. And the looks are amazing. And like, that means that I see myself in it. So yes, I am. And I see my kids in stuff and I see my husband in stuff and I see my, I see my people in stuff. And that's what makes me want to be a part of a brand that makes me want to purchase a brand for sure. Um, so it, it's like, and then here you are advocating for a brand and like, as a oh, hell yes. the value of like that, what you're just saying, you know, like the like honest word of mouth referral still moves brands. I mean, that is like, there's nothing else you can't pay for that. You know, like just, yeah, that is like one of the most powerful things so just to hear you talk about that is like, that's what everyone wants that kind of connection yeah. with the brand. And so like, that's, it's really authentic. Like you said, like you did your homework and mm-hmm. you saw the action um, that, the you know, wasn't about, I'm telling you what we do as a brand here. You could see what we've done in the action yeah. and that's really powerful. Um, yeah. So shout out to Peach and Lily because I agree. They do really do, you know, they have some great formulas like glass yeah. and glass skin serum is amazing. Yo, I will literally put myself in debt to go get it. If I'm like, if it's just a shitty week, <laughs> like I'm like, yeah. I have to go get it. Mine, 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 mine. mine. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. It's not that expensive, but, um, but it is. Yeah. Like they, they do the glass skin serum is incredible. And like the, the uh, matcha cream. Oh, so good. So good. Um, and side note, no peach and Lily are not paying us. Fenty is not, Rihanna's <laughs> not paying us at all. This is like true, true stories right here. Um, yeah, and I feel I, like when uh, when Fenty Beauty came out, um, you know that the term the Fenty effect, and you know every brand started following. And to me, yes. the most beautiful part about how they came to market was, sure, a lot of brands had multiple shades of foundations, and not, and that it wasn't about that. It was actually matching the tones, right? Because everyone with any sort of you know, and I'm not, um, you know, I'm a marketer. I definitely am, don't have the right you know language around color. Maybe technically as a you know, I'm not a statistician or whatnot, but as a user, as a consumer, and I've always, you know, been very curious and tried different makeup brands. I personally always had issues with uh, foundation, you know, going pink or just kind of when it would set or oxidize or whatever the technical term is, I could never, All of that, yes, right. You know, <laughs> it was always like everything went pink and red. And so Fenty foundation to this day is one of the only ones that when I would, you know, I have to try to match my face, the rest of my body, like most of us, you know, yeah. use skincare. So I'm a, a little lighter in the face. I want to warm up my face and match the rest. I mean, I have, you know, in some moments I'm like, well, am I ready to try something else? I'll try something and I will return it. Cause I go always Every go back time. to Fenty, you know, yep. it's just nailing that nuance of just like you said, like, how are they showing up for me? And it shows in the product. And I think mm-hmm. you, know, you start there and definitely absolutely imagery marketing is so important because you're, you're you know, giving those cues um, as to who this is for. Yep. Which is everyone. Yeah. But in a good way. Cause you could, you know, you can have any products that say that they, you know, really are created for certain communities or skin types, but, but do they actually perform? You have to listen to the customer, you know, like yep. your ego out of it is like, are people, you know, authentically unpaid saying yeah, that it works for right. that, right? Like, totally. you know, not like paid sponsorship, but you know, like kind of what you said about peach and Lily, it's, 
that is like, that's gold, you know, everyone, I think that standard, that Fenty standard is really, I think, tasked the rest of the industries and beauty to do better. Absolutely. And have better products that actually, you know, um, serve what, you know, there's a lot of gaps that people still haven't found. You know, they're seeking for that one product that's really going to hit the nail. And once, you know, once you're loyal and you experience that, you know, that's, you hopefully have a customer for life and that's oh, yeah. valuable. Absolutely. Well, and I love what you're saying about just like the authenticity and like how, like, like, especially when you look at something like the, like, a, like the beauty industry, there's a lot of ways there's like, obviously everybody feels beautiful in their different ways. Like the Fenty effect is like an exact reason why that works right but like when you are trying to like make something that is for quote-unquote everyone you have to be really specific about how the user uses it because we have all been misinformed for many years and not on purpose but it's like what we had, right? Like I was using, you know, Maybelline makeup when I was in high school because it was what I had, even though my color was not orange, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and no shade on Maybelline. They've been doing their thing. Like, no, mad. I'm not mad at them. But like back in the 80s, like they did not understand my skin tone. And to this day, most people don't still understand my skin tone, which is totally fair. And again, why I, why I, 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 like you said, we flock to these things, but it's like in an effort to net everyone, you do still have to do that research in order to find out what's going to like, what's going to make people happy, not what's going to get them to purchase it, but like, what's going to like set them on fire. Like what's going to make them feel like their best self. What's going to make them be like, I know I can try other things, but I'm gonna go back to Fenty. Like, I know I can try other things, but I want to go back to sculpting foam. Like I, like, I love knowing that there are products out there that like, they really do have a wide impact. But there also needs to be that education on like how to use that for a consumer because otherwise they're left to like make YouTube reviews because they and and be like this product is trash it doesn't work right right but you're not using it right maybe right or maybe this wasn't for you maybe maybe we as a company didn't do a good enough job explaining how this works and what it is that you could be getting excited about and not, you know, like I could have gone into that Ulta that day and had someone who was like, Oh, POC. I don't even know what that means. Like, uh, and like, it could have been a whole, like, it could have been a whole different experience. Um, so as people who are a part of the industry, whether we're hairdressers or marketers or, you know, just like anyone educators, like all of us, like we have a huge responsibility to be thoughtful about the play, the about the the things that we carry and how we sell them. Like uh, I do a lot of a lot of um, classes with like beauty school students, and one of the things that like we talk about, you know, is when we're t- doing our natural hair classes in particular, is you know the LOC method, which not everybody subscribes to, and I ain't mad at it, but like it's 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 a great foundation for for kids to understand why you might need more liquid how you might need an oil and a cream or an oil or a cream to lock that oil or lock that moisture into the hair. Um, But 
The idea is to get them thinking about like the hair type that they're working with. Is it fine, medium, coarse? Is it, you know, straight, wavy, curly, or coily? And to think about how to recommend the best product for that hair type. So I'm for all hair types. Obviously, that's like, that's, that's the name of our podcast. We are for all hair types. I love all hair types. But like, if I try to put a product on somebody that I don't, and I'm not just like, I just like, oh, I really like the way that this shampoo smells. I like the way that this, you know, conditioner smells. And that's how, you know, your consumer is purchasing. They're not necessarily thinking about what they get. And then they have really bad hair days. And I'm getting totally off topic. I apologize. But like that, that, that's something that we think about. And then you have like the idea of like, well, where, how do I purchase these products? Like, how do I, how do I make a decision about where, whether, you know, like this, whether it's a salon that I go to or a salon that I work at, or, or as an independent stylist, I get to bring my own products in. And now how do I choose who to partner with? Like, is that company giving me the information to be able to give it to my client? And also like for me, like to the whole point of this conversation is like, where, where do they stand on people? Yep. Because some people, it's people. Some people, it's environment. Some people, it's like, you know, um, like uh, um, just just like clean beauty. Like it's a, there's like all these different things that are, are, are about the consciousness of our yep. beauty industry. But like, how do you choose that? And how do companies convey that? Because that's a tough piece, I feel like. It's really tough because I mean, it's right now, I mean, think of just how many brands exist, like perfect, like you mentioned, you know, in the eighties, there were a handful of brands that were just around and really owned all the market share across segments. And now you've really seen the explosion of all these like independent indie disruptor, you know, like it, you see a lot more offering. So it's also a lot like a tougher fight to cut through the noise and to attract a customer, a loyal customer, not only just buy a product once, but continue to buy it. Yeah. And also have that person, that user not be swayed by another new shiny object, right? Because I yeah. think the industry is all about new shiny objects and yeah. yes. that, right? Like Apple, you know, right? Every year they expect a new iPhone, right? Just to get people to continue in that cycle of consumption, which, you know, that's possibly another topic too, you know, and just like over, I think you mentioned that it's like, what's winning now in beauty or just a bunch of single hero products, you know, mm-hmm. people are cherry picking. There's so much out there that you're going to cherry pick the best for you. So it, as a, you know, like you mentioned as, you know, a stylist, you know, and as a guest, maybe sitting in, you know, the chair, you know, you're, you're wanting that best recommendation, you know, don't tell me I need 15 products. Unlikely that I'm going to, you know, want to kick out, you know, 11 of what I'm using right now at home, but give me the best of the best. Like you said, that consultation, what's really going to work for me. And then also, hell yeah, I'm researching the company, like you said, and seeing where they stand, what, you know, like pre-Black Square, what, what is the, you know, social and people action. Do I see faces that, you know, maybe represent my hair type, my skin type? Do they understand, you know, my challenges that I'm looking, you know, to solve with maybe using the product, you know? So I think it's, like you said, when all people, if, if a product or brand is meant for all people, then there's just so much individuality to consider and individual, yeah. you know, there's not, it's not really a broad stroke. like this, you know, miracle snake oil, you know, <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> really, I feel like it's tough. It is tough for brands and, 
you know, but I think it's, it's all about the research and having the customer at the heart of it. And you mentioned that, you know, it's mm-hmm. not about just, Oh, what I like, I like this it smells that it smells nice. So I'm going to, you know, um, sell right. this to this person and try to convince them it's what they need. I mean, fragrance, you think about they're so, I feel like a personal like pet peeve is seeing like maybe certain endorsements and paid endorsements over fragrance. And how many times I, you know, when I was younger, I would run out and like, Oh, I like, I admired this actress or singer and went to the counter to smell the beauty. And it's a beautiful package. And it oh, gorgeous. smelled awful. Awful. Yes. Awful. Marcy. <laughs> awful. Oh my God. That disappointment. I'm like, oh, I fell for it. Right. Totally. <laughs> Like, damn you, Dracar Noir, damn you, exclamation, damn you, CK1. Ugh. You guys, I purchased all that. And I was like, this is terrible. Again, I just aged the crap out of myself, but that's fine. But totally, the industry's changed so much because now it's really, you know, like we're not as gullible as users. You know, they think you got to come, like you said, with a lot more solid information, good representation and education. I feel like you definitely hit a point for me, um, like I have been into re- uh, looking at a lot more YouTube reviews lately on people who maybe look a little closer to my, you know, uh, skin tone, or if it's makeup videos or hair types. Yep. And, and, you know, I think some of, um, you know, this explosion of beauty influencers, the ones that are really think have the, have stood the test of time in the current industry, but maybe even the future have that chance to really be those, you know, uh, voices because they're just people using product and they're showing you. Mm-hmm. This is what I use. And, you know, absolutely there's sponsored content and, you know, it's a blurry line, but I feel like, you know, YouTube is a good resource sometimes just to see, okay, there's not a whole lot you could fudge, right? Like you're, if right. you're doing a whole face of makeup or a whole look, you know, you're mm-hmm. waiting for those results. So I feel like it's such a powerful, and then I just love reading the comments because there's always haters. There's always people who are like, oh, I don't like this. Oh, sure. You know, and that's, but at the end of the day, it's preference, right? Like, you know, you may not like, you know, this end look or a heavy, you know, cut crease or whatever it is, but we're seeing the product working. So again, it's back to, you know, we're all participants in beauty and our personal appearance. Well, you may like mahogany might be really different than what I like, and that's okay. Totally. You know, and I think like that, those social, like just, but that makes it beautiful too, because it's, it's out there for you. And yep. if you definitely see different people using the product and having a positive experience, you know, Fendi, um, <laughs> where, you know, you do have a lot of, you know, your, it shows the proof is in, um, you know, how that consumer network really reacts and then advocates, right? Like um, how much amazing content does Fenty get from their users just being in love with the latest and greatest or, you know. Um, it really just, it speaks way more than I think, you know, someone telling you what they are, you know, someone else who isn't being paid to say that is a lot more powerful, right. And yeah. how they show up for people shows. I think it's, you know, you could, you could sense in social media feeds these days, like, right. Like where the temperature is at and, oh yeah. And even if there is, I think to your point, um, maybe there was some slip ups and fails. It's about how you come back from that. Right. And how you totally recover. Totally. Um, you just like sparked something in my brain. Um, you know, obviously you and I over this last couple of years have been working on some pretty hilariously, like, mm-hmm. like sometimes you just got to laugh because it's hard projects. Right. Because that's just like the nature of the work that we do. And I love that about us, but, um, at one point, we were talking about Barbie, right? And freaking Barbie dolls. Like the pinnacle of like all that is wrong with 
like the female like <laughs> ideal, right? Tiny waist, huge boobs. I mean, what happened to her butt ever? Like what? Like, I don't understand. And like her toes and like the thing, the hair. In fact, the other day I was um, in Target with my husband and I found a natural haired Barbie and I thought I was going to lose my whole mind. I was like, what? I mean, homegirl had locks Ooh. and box braids. One had locks, one had box braids. And I was like, stop it. Stop it. Like, all right, Barbie, I see you. Because Barbie has been heralded recently as like being like so inclusive and so incredible and so like diverse and has all these amazing, you know, Barbies of shape, different shapes and sizes and colors and, and backgrounds. And it's just like awesome. And everybody's like, oh my God, Barbie's amazing. Well, let me just tell you, Barbie didn't always used to be amazing. Okay. Yep. First, first and foremost, Barbie didn't have black Barbie until the eighties, eighties, friends, eighties. And they didn't have Asian Barbie or indigenous Barbie or Latina Barbie until much later. But what I loved about Barbie, not then, but now what I see now um, is that they continued to fail (gasps) miserably at times. But then they took the feedback and instead of being like, that's just not how we do things here. They were like, okay. And now how many years later they're being heralded because they put in the work, right? Because they realize that there are a lot of kids out there who want to play with Barbie. Not a lot of white young girls, like a lot of kids. A lot of kids want to play with Barbie. All the kids want to play with Barbie. So why not make the Barbie reflect the people who are playing with them, right? And that to me made so much sense. So like, I was actually going to ask you before you pinged me in this way was like, how do brands, <laughs> and this is a mean question. And I'm just, uh, how do brands take that feedback and like show up, right? Like, how do you do that? Like from a marketer standpoint, cause like just from my standpoint, when I, like I said, like when I choose a brand, I do dig deep and, you know, diversity and inclusion and belonging and all of that representation is super important to me, always has been, always will be. So that's like my first thing that I look at, even if I'd rather pick a, a line that is like seven products and that's it, that has like the right, you know, like puts their money where their mouth is, like shows up, does the things like has like staff that reflects, you know, the people that they're selling to, but like not just not, I, to me, that's super important. Sorry. Sorry. Super important is super important for me. So yeah, I would say, yeah, for brands, I think it's, it's back to, you know, being, um, having humility. I think that's the, it goes a long way, Mm. you know, and being, you know, if you have your customer at the center of everything you do, which should be every business because that's mm-hmm. how you ultimately stick around. Right. It's like, we're right. ultimately just serving individual humans and it's like Starbucks, right. They've done great because of consistent experience, because yeah. we all know someone could rave and you know rant about a place, but you go show up, you have a horrible experience. That's it. You're probably done. It takes just one. It's like that, um, that Yelp review, you know, dynamic people, typically only write about negative experiences. But if someone goes out of their way to talk about a positive experience, then that means it was legitimately positive for someone to do that. You know, (laughs) I think about the whole concept of people talking about cancel culture and this and that, you know, how dangerous brand boycotts and all those things. It's, I think it's about 
people just want to see like the the rebound. And I think that's what you're mm-hmm. saying. Like, how do you come back? Because it's not about like, we're all humans. We all fail. But we all know we learn way more from failure than we do from success mm-hmm. and how you come back and just be humble and, and take the learnings. And I think it's that, you know, just really checking your ego, you know, I think, yeah. you know, you're, no one is going to do everything right hundred percent of the time, but you know, coming back from that, I think is, is really important. Um, and just, you know, and being transparent, I think of, you know, the pull up for change, you know, campaign that happened. I think that was so powerful because I'm mm-hmm. still seeing, you know, I still see updates from that oh, social yeah. media, right? and how brands are doing. And so it's not just, you know, it's on a PR line of like just putting some, you know, messaging strategy out there. Um, you've got to back it up. Like you said, like put your money where your mouth is and pe- that goes a long way. People will, you know, like you said, you just give that great example of Barbie. You know, it's like, it's not a, a, you know, it's rare that you have this like absolute, you're never going to get this customer back. If you do the right things, like people will give you a chance, you know, that second time around based on what, you know, cues, what signals, what, what's showing up in the world and what are people saying? Yeah. That's going to really, you know, dictate whether, you know, um, people come back and, and you have to get ahead of it. I think it's just, you know, like you said, silence is not, you know, the best, um, you know, approach to that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is just, it's usually like, you know, guilty <laughs> type of like yeah. connotation. Um, you know, so I think that's also, I mean, it is, it is a really challenging time because so much is, is visible, right. In the, in the world yeah. of social media, it just takes one video for a whole, you know, um, PR scandal to spiral. Yeah. You have, I don't know if you, Mahogany, if you tune into some of these channels, I mean, I sometimes have to watch, you know, and I'm conscious of the type of content I take in. And this one, um, <laughs> I have a little mixed feelings about, but, um, you know, there's a channel called Estee Laundry um, and they are a little bit of a, like an expose type of um, channel on Instagram that really sometimes uh, they take a lot of, I think, information from the community. People anonymously send them stories about inside situations, some big beauty brands, some big fashion brands, but mostly beauty. Um, and it is, it's pretty, you know, salacious. And, um, you know, of course, there's always like with the grain of salt, but, you know, these things exist. And I feel like sometimes there's just so much risk. You know, yes, there's a risk in, you know, making the bad move, you know, either, you know, when it comes to people issues or just, you know, you have to know who your audience, what your audience cares about. And I think that's also part back to the customer centric approach. If you don't know the people, the, if you don't know what your most loyal customers care about, no matter what product or service you're lost, you know, and that's why, you know, some of these things, it's not just a product. It's people want to support, you know, they want to vote with their wallet. I think that's like the most powerful thing we could do. Totally. And, you know, especially in this totally. country, that's really, yeah. you know, commercially driven is you can make a big impact. Um, you know, based on, you know, what, um, you know, where you stand with people. And I think to me, it's, you know, our earlier opener, it was about politics. And it's, to me, it's not necessarily in politics, it's about people, because yeah. politics can be perceived, you know, yes. it's like, oh, that's a bad word. We don't touch that. No, it's right. just about people. It's just if yep. you have good people and you, um, you know, I, um, I don't know if you remember seeing this story a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm from Miami. So this one was a, an interesting one. Um, with Trick Daddy made some comments uh, that went pretty viral, and some of the interesting things that the internet did because the internet, right, can really com- you know fight, mm-hmm. <laughs> play some dirty games. He has a restaurant, you know, pretty popular restaurant in Miami, and everyone went on and just 
gave horrible reviews about his food and his oh restaurant, yeah right to mm-hmm. retaliate and so this is just like this is the state of the world right yep. so probably not true but so upset about comments that he made and that's really kind of this like i feel like this polarization that you know it's people you know have an ability to voice their grievances so how you you know you have to just be ready you know yes. how you're gonna handle that so okay right because like what happens when you're most loyal most there's my minnesota wow my <laughs> what happens when you're most um loyal customers don't believe in the same shit you believe in like what happens when you have been like so busy trying to build your business, your salon, your, you know, like brand, your whatever, like you've been so hustling. And like, I remember when I was an early stylist, like it was like, you take every, every walk-in that comes in, you just take what you can get and you just get it because you're trying to build up your skill set, You're trying to build up your time. You're trying to build up your book of clients. Right. But who you take on some clients that you don't want no more. <laughs> like you're like some of my most loyal clients. I had, did not see eye to eye with them on any level. And I was seen by some stylists and like, you know, people in the industry as someone who could just, you can literally throw anyone in Mahogany's chair because she will be kind to them and she will take care of them. Yes, you're right. I am very good and I can do anybody's hair and I'm grateful for that skill set that I have been building up my whole career. But now I can, but I don't have to. I don't want Mm -hmm. to. And so I found myself with this like most loyal clientele, right? But some of them were people that I just was like, no, we don't, uh, you make my you make my day not great. And I'm assuming that like, because I'm not super enthusiastic about doing your hair, no matter how good my customer service is, no matter how I code switch, no matter how professional quote unquote I am, you gonna feel that like, cause that just like leaks out of us in some way, shape or form. So like, what do you do? Like, how do you start to rebrand yourself and find those clients and find that audience, find those, those connections and, and, and grow them so that you are now working with a customer that is in line with who you are as a person or as a brand or as a company or as a salon as whatever. And for me, what it was, was I found my like favorite 20 clients and I was like, okay, here's the deal. When I go to my next space, I'm not taking everybody with me. Um, so I'm going to need you to help me by like sending me some referrals. Cause I adore you. I love doing your hair. I love spending time with you. Like, I just want more of you. And now that was just me as an independent hairdresser, like building my rebuilding my book, but like for a company or like a salon, like it's not that challenging to go through an edit or edit audit <laughs> audit, like who do you want your ideal customer to be? And even if you've been in business for like 30, 40 years, it's always okay to pivot. In fact, I suggest pivoting pretty freaking regularly myself because I feel like you'll just, the more you gather perspectives that come from different places, the more like innovation you have, the more, the more like seasoned your ideas. It's like that, that, like that enameled pan that like, your grandma cooked on, your mama cooked on it. Now you cooking on it. And it's like, it's been seasoned by all that like history and life. And now you have like something really great and historical and authentic and real. And like that, that residue 
ends up being like the sparkle to your brand, that sparkle to like the reason why people come back to you. It's pretty cool. So we talk about, I think in in the marketing world, functional benefits and emotional benefits. There's functional benefits to going to any, you know, having any service done, buying any product, but what's the emotional benefit? Like, how do you feel? Like you're supposed to feel hopefully better. The brand's goal is to feel like, you know, you left in a better place than you maybe started before, you know, that experience. And, and there's such a human element to it. And I think, you know, you mentioned it in your Ulta experience, um, you know, folks that are, you know, supporting that retail floor or, you know, that could really make or break an experience, right? Like, Mm. having someone really give you a good consultation, really care, ask you questions, really get to know your lifestyle to make recommendations, you know, that really match what you're looking for. That is, that's an emotional benefit. Sure. You walked away with the serum, but it was more so like, I want to go back and see, you know, that same person to help yep. me because that was positive. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I think that's what everyone wants, right. you know, and just, and that's a reflection of the brand. You know, I think that's also so interesting you know, like you said, not only your clientele, but who you surround yourself with, your environment, your colleagues, your co- you know, stylists that you might share space with, or, you know, that can, you know, make the energy and your experience better, or it could help, it could go in the other direction. And I think that's what you're talking about. You know, it's like that affiliation, especially even in the digital space, right? Like, you know, who are you down with? Like who, you know, who do you, you know, who are you really, you know, wanting to be associated with like your personal mm-hmm. brand, in relation to the brands that you associate with, um, I feel like that is a big part of people's identity, right? That's why people, we talk about like high-end brands, right? And, you know, and I always find it so interesting how, um, you know, hip-hop culture and high fashion sometimes interact and Mm. really, you know, uh, the Black community is so, like, key to really, you know, like the success of a brand or Mm -hmm. the decline of one, right? Yep. And so that things like that, where, you know, how, who's, you know, who are you partnering with? Who's authentically into um, what you're doing is really so pivotal. And I think um, that part also um, is so visible these days, right? It's not really like you can't hide, like it's going to show up, you know, right? Um, you're in or you're not. And I mean, unfortunately, you know, you could also be out and come back. You know, I think that's, what's interesting. Like there's always a redemption story, right? Like, Oh my God, like Barbie, totally Barbie, all these like, you know, brands that are, you know, trying to really, like you said, pivot, make change and and evolve. Like I, Marcy, I would actually love to know, like, like in that whole pull up for change. Yes. I was like all over that when they were like, pull up everybody, like, mm-hmm. come on, beauty brands, pull up. And it was interesting to see the beauty brands that pulled up. Uh, some of them, I was like, oh, what? No way. Like, I would not have expected them to participate, right? Yeah. Like, I would have thought they would have been like, oh, that's just like, because let's be honest, the beauty industry is racist as hell. Like, it just has always been racist. And like, bless it. We gonna make a change. We gonna continue to change. But like, there has been the beauty industry at large but then this like little sweet subsect of like the black hair industry, which is not true because by and large, we spend just as much, if not more money on our hair than anybody else on the damn planet. But what I thought was super interesting was the ones who just like, even if they were like, we have 3.2% black people in our company that they chose to put that out, gave me more cause to be like, I see you. Like, I see you. And 
And but even more so, those people who were like, and we are taking steps to create this is our goal by this time. So there were actionables, there were goals and actionables on like how they were going to meet a new requirement that they didn't know about before. But instead of being like, what? I didn't know about that. They were like, okay, yep. I'm honestly, this is what we've got. This is what we clearly need to do. And not only did they say that just because it wasn't like, it didn't feel like pressure from society. It felt like, oh shit, we've been doing business this way for a long time. And we just didn't even like think about it because nobody had asked us and we didn't even know we could ask. And like, I think that that was one of the things that was super interesting over this last couple of years is like really looking at just like the the dynamics of people, right? And and like in age and how like people of my lineage or my age and older have been like, but we've been doing it like this forever and it works. Whereas we've got folks who are a little bit younger than us who are like, does it though? And you're like, oh. So what's been great is like, We've got this older generation giving so much like history and like lesson to these this younger generation, but then also respecting this younger generation when they start asking questions and holding us accountable for shit that's like very, 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 very important. Like I have definitely sat down at family gatherings and had people be like, oh, come on, nobody really cares about this stuff right? Mahogany, it's just kind of you who cares about this stuff. And I'm like, well, here's like three zazillion other people who do care about this stuff. Like here, let me continue my scroll because it is important. So when you saw brands holding themselves accountable by pulling up, showing their numbers, but then coming up with a new plan. And then, like you said, coming back now more recently with updates, like that to me, makes me more likely to go hang out and, and, and try a brand. Like, cause I listen, red is red lipstick, right? Mm-hmm. And I will find red lipstick wherever I can. I can get red lipstick from wet and wild. I can get red lipstick from wherever, right? Like red lipstick is red lipstick. But if I'm buying red lipstick, I'm buying it from a brand I actually believe in. Same with hair products, same with like any, like anything like that is, you said it right. You said vote with your dollar. That is something that no matter what your age, no matter what your um, citizen status is, like you can vote with your dollar, right? Like no matter what. And I think that the country has a very long history of boycotting um, and it works. Like it works. It's a powerful form of, you know making, you know, your voice heard, um, mm-hmm. in any direction. Right. And I think, um, you know, when, you know, even in the, in the times of the, before the election, right. Where so many, I saw a lot of content where political donations, right. Brands or heads of companies, you know, being, you know, the information of where their political dollars, um, were going. And I think just even that the age of all this information, and of course we all have to research and make sure it's, you know, accurate. That's a whole other yes. kind of worms, but I like what you're saying. You know, there's a lot out there to, you know, um, sift through from research, right? Like you said, like there's so many great products, so many great brands, but what's that point of difference? And I think that's what you're hitting at. Like, does it feel like a real human who cares and has any sort of ethics? If that's important to you, you know, you're going to find brands and, and vote with your wallet and vote with your dollars 
um, and hang out and, you know, make sure that those, you know, it matches with who you are. And like you said, Gen Z, that is like pretty high up there in the, um, requirements to be a brand yes. to even be considered by Gen Z, right? Like Gen Z ain't playing. <laughs> no. And I, I always say this, I, they are the only hope I have in the future of this country. This <laughs> because like I said, I'm learning, I've learned so much, you know, Agreed. from just like what's expected, you know, things mm-hmm. that, you know, like we've talked about language and, you know, um, inclusion, representation, the sense of belonging. Like it's not just about the dollar, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's where I think it's like you said, like we're, we're not there yet, but I, I trust and I believe in Gen Z and it's going to be a way better world once they're running Word. all these companies. I mean, Word. and I'm just excited. I'll be around to see it. Um, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully it'll keep me employed. Right. right. Like <laughs> you know, like you said, trust and believe, like trust and believe. Um, I think it's interesting too, because like, that generation seems to smell bullshit real quick. Like they have no, they have like their bullshit meter is like super high because I have, I, so I have some, you know, young teens and twenties, you know, folks in my life who constantly come to auntie about, you know, hair and makeup stuff. Yes. Cause I'm the auntie that does that. And so while they, you know, like I may be working with like one specific brand. They are working with all the brands. <laughs> they mm-hmm. want to see all the things. And it is interesting to see like their thoughts on something. Like they'll screenshot something or like share something to me um, on Instagram. And they'll be like, this, what is this clown? Who's this mm. clown? And I'm like, oh, wow. That person is actually somebody who like a lot of people really like admire in the hair industry has been around a long time, like doing the dang thing. But they're like, this, this homie's a clown. Like this person doesn't understand what they're doing. They don't understand like the point that they're making. And like, they might be making one point to one kind of person, but like what they're not saying is actually making me feel this type of way. Like, and it, like you said, like language in particular, like how, like how they describe like like hair how they describe skin how they describe body shapes how they describe gender like gone are the fucking day of men's haircuts friends no you got a short haircut that's what that is like if you're getting a clipper cut you're getting a clipper cut and it does not matter what your gender and gone are the days of being like you know just so broad right like it's definitely like a much more curated experience that these kids are looking for and it needs to be celebratory and I say kids with n- no disrespect. Like, I mean, this, I, I just, that's my language. And I should probably think about that because these are grown folks. But, you know, I, I, it is interesting to me because they will call me out when I'm being inauthentic. Mm-hmm. They're like, Auntie, what was that? And I'm like, oh, that's this. So, like, <laughs> I am not, I, I know. I, mean, I hear you. I don't even try sometimes with certain like slang, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm just, you know, I, I love seeing those videos of a millennial trying to talk like, you know, Gen Z. It's like, I'm, I'll read about it. It's important mm-hmm. information as a marketer and language. But mm-hmm. like I said, like that, you know, like, you know, just trying to, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's hard. Yes. <laughs> and everybody, if everybody just like sat for like a hot second and thought about like that older person in their life that has said something where you've been like, Oh my God, <laughs> like we all have it. Right. I am it at times. Uh, the other day I tried vibing 
And my son was like, nope. And I was like, fair enough. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I was just vibing with your auntie. And he was like, nope. And I was like, okay. <laughs> cool, cool. That's the end of that one. <laughs> I'm just, I'm good. But like, I love that aspect of it because that means that they're more, they're doing some really great critical thinking, right? Yeah. Like, and that to me is super important. And so even for me in my forties, you know, if I'm thinking like this, then you know they've already thought about it and made these decisions. So like right. they are calling out brands in ways, they are calling out salons in ways, they are calling out beauty professionals in ways, they're definitely calling out influencers because bless you, like there's some really amazing influence up influencers out there who genuinely just like love the things that they do. Like the whole, like if, if you ask me and this is a whole other topic, but like Oprah was one of the original influencers, Yep. like her Oprah's favorites, her Oprah book club. Like that is the, one of the original influencer thought processes. And I love that it was a black woman like that, of course, yeah. <laughs> like just, of course. Um, but I thought like the reason why that went off so well is because when Oprah was talking to you about the book or the favorite, that was like legit her favorite. It yep. wasn't like, oh, they, this coffee cup is my favorite because, you know, so-and-so gave it to me and, you know, mm -hmm. look at me and I love this coffee cup. It, it wasn't product placement. I mean, to, to a certain degree, I'm sure it was product placement because it's Oprah, you know, like, and she's a huge brand in, in and of herself, but like, you could tell that she actually liked the shit she was peddling, right? Yeah. Like that was key so, differentiator. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So when you are like, yeah, I really love this coffee cup because Starbucks gave me this coffee cup. Like, you're just like, oh, come on, babe. Like, come on. Yeah. Just like, Bullshit and even sniffer. if you, mm -hmm. yes. comes out, like it's no, no so, to be sold, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it's that people aspect. It's like that, again, it's like a respect thing. Like respect my, my ability to make a decision for myself, Ooh, respect yes. my thought process. Like it's respect, respect the fact that you can't, you can't bullshit. Don't like, insult my intelligence. Like yeah. That. I like that. Oof, that's like really, you know, some of these things that are, you know, peddled out there that you're like, come on. Like, do you really think yeah. you're going to buy what you're, you know, there are some pretty, you know, like, and like you said, it's like, you know, when you see it, you know it. And it's, it's, that's that split second of making an impression that it's pretty valuable to a get someone's attention and B, you know, um, blow it in that really, you know, awful Huge. way with yeah. bullshit with inauthentic overselling or just not accurate. You know, no one wants to buy something and just be let down, you know, better totally. like, run what it said. It says it's going to do right. And yeah, the people and the authenticity is a big part of whether that happens or not and who you partner with. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if we were to give brands, salons, influencers, purveyors of beauty a piece of advice on how to like be authentic or how to like assess whether or not they're authentic or or like you know just like like if we were going to give them one piece of advice on how to pivot or continue down the path that they're they're on like what do you think one important thing it doesn't have to be the most important but just like one thing that they they could really benefit by taking a look at. 
I would say it's a broad conversation of kind of like active listening and listening can be like social listening, just really reading comments, product reviews. If you do, I feel like just getting your, coming up with your own conclusions of what you're, you know, any trends or patterns and what you're seeing, you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're seeing like, like 90, you know, a majority of the people are enjoying this aspect of your product or your service, but there's this one thing that keeps coming up. Mm. It could be something silly, you know, like something that drives me like personally as a consumer. If I struggle with opening something, it sounds very basic, right? But I think even Amazon, um, this may, hopefully is still true, but I remember the past life in a job uh, working with Amazon and selling, you know, like listing your products on there. And there's a fine or, or some sort of like fine that you get dinged or some, you know, like negative um, aspect of being a seller on Amazon if um, your packaging is frustrating. So they actually have a frustration free packaging, like, is your packaging frustration free? And that was such Shut an up. interesting. You know, it's on the back end. I don't think it's something the user sees, but right. it's, you know, those all plastic. I'm thinking of like maybe toys or something electronic that comes in those like very rigid plastic oh molded where you're like, I make slice my finger open by trying mm -hmm. to open this with a pair of scissors, mm -hmm. things like that. Cause that's, you're just talking about customer experience and it could just yep. be, you know, when you walk into a salon, someone asks you, would you like something to drink? You know, those little touches, right. It's all about not just the, the main part of why someone is there, but what, it, what are you doing to contribute to your experience and listening, whether it's mm. online listening or it's the negative feedback that helps more yeah. than the positive. Oh yes. You hit it like that. That is so true that that feedback and then taking that feedback and looking at it from many perspectives, like I think is a really like put sh ship it out to the people in the, in the company, ship it out to the people in the salon, like have a salon meeting, like be like, Hey guys, we got this, you know, we got this, this review, like, what do we do about this? Like, instead of just being like that lady was meh, or like that, you know, human was meh, like, what is it about it? Like maybe, and maybe that human was a total piece, but like, right. take a minute. And like you said, take your ego out of it. Look at the information and does it merit, like, does it, does it mean that you are not being authentic? Does it mean that you are not you know, delivering on your promise. Does that mean like, what is it about that, 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 that resonates that you could take to improve your business? Right. So like even every negative review can be a, just an, a doorway for you to like, figure out how to like grow your business in a different way or, or firm it up. Um, my piece of advice is diversify my friends, like make sure you got lots of different kinds of folks at a table that are listening that you listen to not that you placate not that you listen to for like only certain things like i don't go to marcy when it comes to just like cuban stuff like like just like just know but but i also do know that like if i'm always gonna i'm always gonna defer to mercy to defer to marcy when we are in latin spaces because this her space like and i'm just like I just get to hang out and benefit from it and learn and be this cool like person who gets to benefit from this. So like when I think of companies, salons, like even if you don't have, even if you have like a three person chair salon and all three of you are exactly the same, reach out to your best customers then because it, 
in, in that way, you know, they're all different. You know that all of them are different. So reach out to your best customers and find out about what they love about your experience. And if they could change one thing, what would it be? And then why do they keep coming back? Like, I think those three questions can really help people to diversify their perspective in and around their business and and make that like a regular thing and always compensate like in some way, shape or form. If it's your customers, give them a like a... a a complimentary conditioning treatment. I mean, everybody wants that. Everybody wants that. But if you are a company, make sure you're paying the people that you are asking for this information from because it's important. And I think that if you do have those, you know, you take those negative comments and turn them into something beautiful and turn them into like a path forward. Like, I think that that like with the help of those other like multitude of, ex- of, of experiences and perspectives, like it will, you will be hard pressed to fail in that moment. You may miss something, but that's okay because then you're going right back to another negative comment that you can bring back to your diverse group of people to help you find another path forward. So you can pivot and, and, and continue because it's not a destination. Like these things are not a destination. They are a journey. Like this is yeah. how, like, you're not going to be the, you're not going to be the least racist, you know, person in the room yeah, ever. So like that's not a right. thing. Like, yeah. It's you're a not gonna continual be loop of like uh, information. It's kind of like, I think of this, the topic that has come up with, you know, COVID and vaccinations. It's like science, people say science lied or no, like science changes information. You get new information, you get new ways that you could, evolve and shift and it's not like you said you're not just getting to one point and that's it i've got it all you know like we all know if you rest on you know you become complacent what happens you know i mean how many yes. i think of the, the restaurant industry and it's like mm-hmm. you know some of those restaurant chains that we may have grown up from like back in the day and like what we saw in covid um and also even retailers it's like is anyone surprised that any of these, you know, retailers that weren't doing it at all and not mm-hmm. really providing anything unique and restaurants that were like, meh, you know, they, they just stopped evolving. They just didn't really move with the times. And I think what you're saying is valuable in any scenario because you have to yeah. be, you know, very self-aware and also open to change and evolve or else you're going to be irrelevant. I think in beauty, that Holy. is a really, I feel like that is the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> It's the you kiss want, of death right there. The Don't be irrelevant. Death. Yeah. And I think the social aspect of people, like you said, you know, diverse and inclusive perspectives, it kind of, you know, um, future proofs you, right? Like you're going to be yeah. prepared for the future because that is the, the world of today and the world of tomorrow is having mm-hmm. diverse perspectives, creating and building and contributing. So you're set up, you know, for Absolutely. success. Absolutely. I love what you said about like diverse perspectives too, in that, like, it it just made me think of like, you know, obviously like we talk a lot about like racial diversity and that's important. Um, but also like gender, like, you know, and, and, and age and ability, you know, like, I think that that like a lot of times, you know, when we are talking about diversity and inclusion, um, and equity, a lot of times it really is based on race, right? Like that's like the biggest reason why we talk about it. And I am not by any stretch of the imagination saying that that is not incredibly important because it is to me, it's number one, it's huge, but I'm a black woman. So that makes sense. Like everything I see is through the eyes of a black woman. So there's that, but also I'm a woman. And so like having, you know, 
different, not just men and women, but like having all the genders present is a really important thing because as a woman, I don't always understand what, who, what folks from, you know, who are non-binary, what, what makes them feel connected? What makes them feel comfortable? Um, as a black woman, I don't always know what makes like my East Indian friends, like feel comfortable and connected, you know, like, and, and I think that that piece of it too, again, coupled with like the older generations and the younger generations, like, all of that, all of those different different perspectives are going to do exactly what you said. They are going to make you future proof, so that you are prepared. And and I think that like a lot of times, what I've seen in the industry, whether it's been again a salon, a stylist, a brand, a school, or whatever, is like these quick fixes. Like in this moment, I'm going to show. Oh, oh, we're about black people now. Okay, real quick, look at all my black people. Oh, we're about women right now. Oh, quick, real, real quick, let's gather all the ladies together. Let's gather all the ladies. Look at the ladies. Let's take this month to celebrate. What per? I want this person. But like, what do you do to celebrate them on a regular day? Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Like, I'm super curious because. You know, performative is performative. And some people will say something's performative, even when people have the right, like, because the right intention, because they're moving forward and they're learning, you know, Um, I'm sure a lot of people called Barbie performative for a long time until they just weren't performative anymore. And I think that that's something that maybe that'll be the last little piece of advice there for, you know, our, our brand friends, you know, our salon friends, our stylist friends, is that like you, you have, you have to like figure that piece out. Like you just, you have to be able to uh, just move forward, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's better to imperfectly move forward and try than not. Right. I think that's kind of, you know, I think of um, older relatives that may have asked me questions on like, you know, with language and how do I refer to, you know, a a non-binary person or how do I ask those questions? And so just that curiosity, I think it's like all back to like wanting to learn something, you know, new or evolve. And you have to have that within, whether you're a singular person or a group of people or a company or you set a brand, if you don't have that at the heart, Mm-hmm. of everything you're doing then you know you just want to be quote unquote stuck in your ways or i'm good mm-hmm. where i'm at then that's you know it's not going to go anywhere i mean you're just kind of resigning to like i'm i'm good where i'm at and there's always mm-hmm. room for improvement and learning i think being open to learning new things is hard as older you know like as adults like we're not really like wired to learn new tricks now that <laughs> is so true so true but it's that's why you have to make a conscious effort you know in order to be relevant or have relevant engaging interactions that are authentic yeah yeah no i agree evolve or dissolve as they say evolve or dissolve awesome well marcy i again every time i love it this has been a really amazing conversation i believe we will probably have to re pick this one up again like at a later date because i feel like it's just ever growing and 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 i love it Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to For All Hair Types. We hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, please consider leaving us a rating and review or even sending it to a friend. Follow us on Instagram at For All Hair Types Pod. Do you have a hair story you'd like to share? Send it on over to For All Hair Types Podcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. You can even leave us a voicemail at ForAllHairTypes.com. See you next time. 
For All Hair Types is created by Mahogany Plouts and Marcy Miguel Richards, produced by Taylor Lane.